Next on BYU Sports Nation, showing up in the second half, BYU basketball and football turn it on late to secure a winning weekend on Super Saturday. Which team had the more impressive second half performance? BYU Sports Nation votes. Plus, Skylar Halford of the men's basketball team joins us live. And don't forget our Monday go-to guy ESPN's Trevor Maddich back on the show discussing the BCS blow-up, BYU's bowl projection, and a wild rivalry weekend. Let's go. And now, live on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio, it's BYU Sports Nation with your hosts, Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Monday, December 2nd, BYU Sports Nation back at it live from Studio 2 in the BYU Broadcast Building. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside Jerem Jordan, wherever and however you may be listening. Thanks for fitting us into your day. Cyber Monday, Jerem! What's on your list, bro? A win versus North Texas and Massachusetts. I like that answer. How about the crowd in Energy Solutions Arena on Saturday night in Salt Lake City? I could feel it resonating through my computer screen all the way in Reno. I mean, everybody I've talked to said it was a ridiculous atmosphere. Our sideline reporter on BYU TV, Lauren Frankham, said it's one of the funnest environments she's ever been in. You could hear it on TV, too. I didn't end up going to the game after the uh, long day with football, but... It was a tremendous uh, game, but yeah, both teams brought it. Both uh, both crowds brought it. You know that the Rock's going to bring it. You know the Herd's going to bring it. That was great. I love that both have nicknames. That's when you know they've established themselves, or at least tried to market themselves effectively. It was good. It was good. Uh, mocking on both sides. Well-prepared. Um, harsh feelings on both sides. After. <laughs> well, maybe just one side, but it was good. It was good. Uh, the whiteboards that the, uh, the Herd bring crack me up. Where they they just they can erase, I literally hate you. They can erase I the messages one. and just start writing different things. I think that is a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant idea. That is a very educated fan base, and that's what makes them one of the most volatile. They just know a ton of stuff about uh, their their opponents. In the early days of BYU, they'd bring a blackboard. In the 1920s, the student <laughs> section would have a blackboard, and they'd write with. Chalk. Give me the eraser. Give me the eraser. Oh, that's good stuff. Energy Solutions Arena, a great scene between BYU and Utah State rivalry game. Uh, the Cougars come out victorious and pick up a huge resume win against an undefeated opponent. That was the first undefeated team uh, BYU had beaten other than, I believe, Weber State, correct? The first game of the season? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, great game. Lot to talk about. Fast break points, huge stuff. Frank Bartley, the fourth, coming off uh, the bench. I got an interesting uh, message from a friend of the show at FLG underscore T. He said, I would just like to thank Frank Bartley, the first, second, and third, for giving us the fourth. Now, here's the thing I talked to Frank and I said, Are you going to have a kid name him Frank Bartley, the fifth? And he said, No. It's going to end at four. There will be no fifth part to the series? Apparently. Okay. Uh, I love the hashtag Aggie Tears as well. If, if you want some uh, interesting banter on Twitter, just type in hashtag Aggie Tears. Join the conversation as well by tweeting at BYU Sports Nation. Here's our poll question today, which uh, hopefully is interesting. Which BYU team had a better second half Saturday, football or basketball? Tweet at BYU Sports Nation, comment on and like our Facebook page, and vote on BYUTVSports.com. I'm going to go with football. It was, the first half by basketball was good, but the second half, uh, the second half was a bit better, right? But football was just night and day. BYU's first four drives were touchdowns. I asked our BYU Sports Nation resident historian and also uh, associate athletic director uh, Duff Tittle uh, on on the sidelines. Hey, how was that halftime uh, speech in the locker room, Duff? And he said, "I left because I knew you'd ask me that, and I'd, I didn't want to have to discuss that." <laughs> He said, I heard the first few sentences, and I, that was enough for me. So spirited was the, the word that, that came to mind right there, but BYU's football team got the message and went. Uh, 28 points in the second half. Jamal Williams runs 66 yards uh, right out of the gate, and then BYU's football team all of a sudden is back in. Friendly reminder, you can listen to BYU Sports Nation every weekday, noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain on BYURadio.org, the BYU Radio iOS app, Sirius XM Channel 143, and Dish Network Channel 980. Our show on demand every day on BYURadio.org. You can also catch the rebroadcast each day, 7 p.m. Eastern on BYU Radio. Basically, if you have any desire or interest, you have no excuse not to listen. Rise and shout, my friends. It's time for What's Trending. What's trending in BYU Sports Nation? Topic one. 
Second half domination. I asked Bronco Mendenhall what happened between the first and second halves on the sidelines in Reno. Well, I think they tried a lot harder. I think they actually engaged their heart and decided to play BYU football. Our offense uh, went from being non-existent and no points to taking control of the game. And so I was really proud of not only Taysom, but the rest of the group that they did respond when I asked them to. Here's an interesting thing. BYU has been a first-half team in a lot of football games this year. They have been criticized by a lot of national pundits and a lot of local media people about their inability to make adjustments at halftime and get better. Well, this was the antithesis of that. They got entirely better in the second half and poured it on against Nevada, a motivated Nevada team in their final home game on senior day at Mackey Stadium in Reno. So, Jerem... For me, watching from the sidelines, it just seemed like the push started to happen up front. There was no traction. There was no uh, push on the, off the snap of the ball early on. It, it just kind of looked like uh, they were kind of meandering around out there. There was, there was a, an emphasis and a point to go and hit somebody in the second half, and that's what I saw on the sidelines. Where's BYU's strength? It's rushing the ball. It's not as much pass. So BYU went to its strength, despite what we've called... Uh, you know, mediocre line play throughout the year. And it can get better, and you, you need it to be better next year and in the bowl game. But then they hand off to Jamal Williams. I just noticed this. He didn't lose a single yard in the game. Normally a running back at least has a run that's a loss, right? Zero yards lost. 219 gained on 15 carries. That's not 30 carries. He averaged 14.6 yards per carry. So the question then is, man, why didn't BYU use Jamal in the first half? But... Credit the adjustments, like you said. Make adjustments, and then get Jamal the ball. And then Taysom, of course, goes off for 154 as well. And BYU rushes for 394. That's where the strength is. Milk it. They rush, they rush for 394, and how many of those came in the second half is, is what I want to know. Because BYU was insistent on trying to establish the pass game, and, and uh, it just really wasn't working out. Nevada was keying on that, and despite the Wildcats having just a porous, horrible rush defense... BYU did not go to the well that much early on in the game, whereas in the second half it was all Jamal all the time. And his second half performance, boy, he said it was simple. It was for my teammates. We was playing our worst half ever, so um, we just pretty much just suck it up and, and did it for the seniors. Do you need any more motivation than that? They get the seniors a regular season finale win, 28-23 on the road in Reno, and Jamal Williams what what can you say? That has to be a record for all for all running backs that have had at least 15 carries in a game to have that average that he did. That's got to be, if not a record, that's got to be close to the top for most yards per carry. You're talking BYU history? Yeah. Yeah. I, it was tied for the fifth most in a game. Here's what you've produced this year. Two of the top five rushing performances in BYU history by an individual. 259 by Taysom against Texas. 219 for Jamal against Nevada. Fantastic. Ironically enough, both are over 1,000 yards for the first time ever. BYU has two players over 1,000 yards for the first time in program history. The most rushing, this is the best rushing season for BYU ever. The previous high was 01, where they played 13, 13 uh, regular season games. They had Luke Staley, the Doak Walker Award winner as well, and Brandon Domine running quarterback. He ran for 1,500 himself. Okay, so Taysom, Jamal, they fuel that second-half performance. Now, compared to the football team, basketball against Utah State didn't necessarily have a bad first half. Utah State just shot lights out. I think right before the half, they were close to 62%. It may have dipped down to 59 at at halftime. At some point, that number is going to drop. You would assume a team is not going to be able to shoot the ball that well for that long. 35% And, and sure enough, the Aggies cooled off in the second half. But So I, I wasn't that concerned with, with BYU's first-half performance on the basketball side. Their second-half performance, though, however, was really good. And it started off the bench. How about Frank Bartley the fourth? We talked a little bit about him. He really came up big again. We felt like we were playing hard in the first half, but we felt like we weren't playing smart enough. Uh, coach gave us stuff to do in the second half, and we came out and executed. Now, Frank Bartley the fourth, before Utah State game on Saturday, he had scored 17 of the 18 bench points at the CBE Hall of, a, Hall of Fame Classic in Kansas City. He was the bench for BYU, and he continues to bring it, Jeremy. Yeah, he did a great job, and I saw on Twitter uh, people calling him FBIV, Frank Bartley the fourth did a tremendous job off the bench, was huge. 
Uh, Skyler Halford did a nice job as well. He'll join us in a moment uh, in studio as well. And so BYU got more from the bench. They created more turnovers. Uh, they shot the ball efficiently. They did a nice job and they ended up getting what, in my opinion, is the best win of the season thus far. Who had the better second half performance, BYU football or BYU basketball? With that in mind, we welcome in our first guest to BYU Sports Nation, Mike Haig, who had a gritty, gutty performance at Mackey Stadium in Reno, Nevada. Mike, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, Mike, uh, I ran into you on Friday night at the Fireside. Uh, with Kyle Van Noy going out in his his swan song scenario, what was that like as his teammate watching uh, Cougar Nation rally around him in Reno in his hometown? I think it was fantastic. It was kind of a perfect ending to a, I don't know if you'd call it a Cinderella story, just because Kyle's really never been to Cinderella, but uh, it's just a perfect ending to a, to an amazing career at BYU, and I think Kyle Van Noy deserves every bit of respect and attention and uh you know rallying around him that he's gotten so i couldn't be more proud of him so he gets engaged after the game when did you find out that that was uh that happened or was going to happen to uh, marissa Powell, miss utah yeah so uh kyle and i were chatting in the locker room a few weeks ago and he tossed me his phone and there was a picture of a ring so i assumed it was going down soon and then uh we talked details um a little bit you know as it got closer and closer but just one day he randomly tossed me his phone and I, I only assumed one thing and that is that it was going to be him asking Marissa to marry him. So good on him. Did you give him any, any pointers? Look, I know Mike, you're a great dresser and you, you pointed out my seat. You're like, Hey, nice. Is that an express suit? And I said, yeah. And I was very impressed that you knew that. <laughs> and so did you give him any uh, pointers, whether it was uh, what he was supposed to be wearing or what he was supposed to be saying during that scenario? Uh, no, the only thing that I've told Kyle is, uh, he knows that, uh, when it comes to dressing on the team, I've got some swag, and uh, so I. The only request that I had from him is he's a little bit more reluctant to take it than most people. But I said, "Hey, uh, draft day, I want to pick out your suit, and uh, I want wow. to be all ready to go." And he said, "Absolutely not." So <laughs> that was my that was my attempt to try and be in Kyle Vanoy's uh, wardrobe, and it didn't really work out for me. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I that's why. I, you know, I got to keep wearing my suits and dressing up just so maybe he'll trust me enough to uh, help me ma- uh, let me make that decision for him. More swag, you or Jay Swag Daddy Jamal Williams? Uh, different swag. <laughs> okay, uh, that's a I fair would, statement. I would say me. There you go. It comes out at the end. <laughs> yeah, I was just, if we're actually measuring swag, I, I'll I'll, uh, I'll take the swag on that. Mike, nine tackles in the game, which uh, was the second most to. The third leading tackler in the country, Wani Unga, who's just been crazy this year. I saw yeah. earlier in the week that you tweeted something about, I, mu- I must play in this game. I have to play. I'm assuming you got re-injured last week. Uh, what happened and what did it take to get in that game? Uh, yeah, so against Idaho State, I took a I took a shot that I didn't expect to take, um, obviously. But it was one that kind of tweaked my leg around different. And I was hurting in places I'd never really hurt before, so I got an MRI, I got some imaging, and it didn't look good, uh, especially for the Notre Dame game. I couldn't run, and you know I've had a really cool experience the last couple of weeks coaching uh, Coach Mendenhall and Coach Al sat down with me, and uh, you know we talked about it. And you know at the end of the day, I I decided I was going to try and just practice Monday, and I had no expectation of feeling well while I did it. And I went out there and I felt great on Monday. So great on Tuesday, Wednesday that limited my reps. I went about ten reps in practice, and that was it. And then Thursday, kind of just you know rested the legs a little bit, and uh, I didn't expect to have to go you know eighty plays in the in the Nevada game. I was thinking more around forty or fifty, but it ended up working out for me real well. So. Senior defensive back Mike Haig of BYU Football joining BYU Sports Nation. Mike, uh, an entirely different performance on the offensive side of the ball from the first to the second half. What was that uh, halftime conversation like in the locker room there at Mackey Stadium? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was actually getting uh, worked on a little bit in the training room, so I didn't hear all the conversations. I just went up to taste of their halftime and told them to keep you know sticking his nose in there, and uh, eventually they'd... they'd uh, pull away I knew that our offense is incredibly explosive and there's been times where we've stopped them four or five six times in a row and then they just run off for two or three in a row so um you know I knew that I knew the offense had it in them I told them to keep going and uh we were all telling them just to keep going and then Taysom came up to me after the game and and said hey thanks for 
holding off the dogs till we got it together. And so it was a group effort. And, uh, you know, that's what we expect, though. When the offense is having a hard time, uh, we need to step up. And, and that was the thing about it. We didn't even play that well on defense. It was just enough. So um, I'm just I'm, I'm happy with the offense, proud of what they did in the second half. And uh, it was a gutty performance by Taysom and, and everybody involved. I know that one of the uh, core goals for you guys is not giving up 24 points or more. Nevada gets 23. You mentioned to Spencer on the uh, on the post game show on BYU TV that that is just in your head, and you think you're going. You said something like you, you think you're going to lose if you give up 24 or more. So 23. That's just about perfect, right? Yeah, I mean you can't. It's great. It's ingrained. You know, we look at it every Monday. It's our pillars, and if we think if we can hold a team under 24 points, we record has it that there's a really good chance we're going to win the football game and if we give up 24 points those those uh statistics drastically um turn around and so yeah we couldn't give up that but that two-point conversion i was stressing so and then Kyle picks it off, which uh, was uh, really kind of poetic that, uh, that he prevented Nevada from going over 24. Mike Haig, defensive back, senior from BYU Football, joining BYU Sports Nation. Mike, I don't know how much of a basketball fan you are or if you're too tired and sore to watch BYU's hoops team take on Utah State, but today our poll question is which team had the better second-half performance, BYU football or BYU basketball? And here, here's your time to sound off. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say... Uh... Well, I got when I got on the plane. I remember when I was getting off the plane. The plane, the, the plane ride was so short. Everyone was talking about how Utah or BYU was struggling, and uh, I come, the tweets kind of started to mesh together about our second half and our first half, and you know their first half. And but from what I understand, they really took off and they did a good job. I'm going to say BYU basketball. Wow, giving okay. the love, giving the love to your boys. Okay, I'm glad they pulled it off and uh, you know stepped up. Is Bronson Kafusi going to play basketball again? This is kind of the big question among BYU Sports Nation. Honestly, I do not know. I've asked him a couple times, and I haven't gotten a clear answer, and um, I, I, I don't know. Are you I going mean, to I, play on the BYU basketball team this year? That's a real the question. I'm thinking about it, um, <laughs> but, but I, uh, I figure I, I have one more growth spurt in me, I think. I, I think I have two, <laughs> in your 30s, coming in up me. here? Yeah. Yeah, as soon as I'm, by the time I'm 30, I'll be six six foot. So, <laughs> um, I, I thought about trying out and trying to figure out if I could get another year back, which I don't think I have any left. In my house, <laughs> Haley Steed last year had a seventh year for women's basketball, so it's uh, it's happened. If you have enough yeah, torn don't ACLs, don't don't tell me that. I'm <laughs> right now. Mike, regular season over, twelve games played, eight wins. Uh, how would you assess the uh, regular season for BYU football this year? Uh, you know, I think we put together a pretty good season, and uh, I say pretty good because I don't think it was that great. I mean, uh, obviously we, we, we left some off the wind column that we did not need to, and uh, it's just a matter of we, we needed to get to know the system. Um, we, you know, failed to execute in several games. So that's what that's what stings about the entire thing is, you know, you're looking at an 8-4 and four record that I personally, my keg feel, that, I could like we could have a eleven and one record, you know, and that's what stings about it is I feel like we were just a few plays short, you know, maybe some preparation short of uh, really turning this season into something special. But uh, with that being said, I'm proud of what the guys have done, and you know, eight and four is not exactly what you know Cougar Nation wants, and it's absolutely not what we want. But at the at the end of the day, I feel like we did put put together a pretty good season. And there were some great wins in there, some memorable ones for sure. Which one hurts the most of the ones you were, the losses you were referencing? Um, you know, I would probably say, of course, it hurts to to lose to Utah, but I would say uh, probably Virginia for me, just because I was ready to go coming off of uh, surgery. I'd had surgery seven weeks before, and the Wednesday right before that um, that game, I pulled my hamstring, and I felt like. Uh, my role in that game was going to be fairly significant, and I wasn't able to play at all. And and so maybe I could have helped change that game around a little bit. Um, so there's a lot of what-ifs in my mind, and um, so that game stings a lot. I don't know why, but it, it stings a lot in my mind. Mike Haig, senior defensive back for BYU football on BYU Sports Nation. A couple things as we wrap up, Mike. One, hashtag 26 is not old. And secondly, whoever you play, Arizona, USC, Washington, good luck in the bowl game. Hey, thank you much, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mike.
All right, which BYU team had a better second half on Saturday, BYU football or BYU basketball? Sound off at BYU Sports Nation. Up next, Cougar Hoopster Skylar Halford joins us in studio. He'll tell us why the BYU front line was able to have so much success against the Aggies of Utah State. This is BYU Sports Nation. Stay with us. We'll have more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is BYU Sports Nation on the BYU Radio Sports Network. And pass by Carlino. Haas takes it right back and takes it in. Bartley left open. Wow. Palantir steals it away. The lob for Mika. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler on the call right there. BYU-Utah State. The in-state showdown in Salt Lake City last Saturday night. Cougars coming out victorious. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I'm Spencer Linton. You can follow us at Spencer underscore Linton and at Jerem Jordan. Join the show's growing Twitter following at BYU Sports Nation. A little bit of breaking news. Jamal Williams just named the FBS Independent Offensive Player of the Week. 218 yards on 15 carries and a touchdown. Now, wait a minute. We'll Wasn't do that 219? for you. Was it 219? Because I was going to say, that's he's sixth place instead of tied for fifth in a single game. When you're a stat nerd, these things matter. One yard. Clear me up, Jerem. Clear it up, dude. 219, baby. All right. Tonight on True Blue with Dave McCann, Kathy Aiken profiles BYU running back Algernon Brown. Women's volleyball's in studio prepping for the NCAA tournament. At uh, in Hawaii against Arizona State. Yeah, how, how good awesome. are they? How good are they feeling? Dang it! Let's we have go, to go to Hawaii. Hawaii. And Blaine Fowler previews the week of hoops. Watch True Blue tonight at eight thirty Eastern on BYU TV and listen right here on BYU Radio. Our Twitter question today: Which BYU team had a better second half on Saturday, football or basketball? We just asked uh, asked senior defensive back Mike Haig what he thought, and he said. According to Twitter traffic and all the, all the responses that were coming, he, he gave the credit to basketball. And uh, we welcome in our second guest in studio, Skylar Halford of the BYU basketball team. Skylar, we'll ask you the same question. Which team had the better second-half performance? <laughs> I haven't had a chance to take a look at the football, um, but uh, they seem to have a pretty good second half of themselves. I mean, we had a nice conversation, Danny and I, Sunday dinner yesterday. Daniel Sorensen, your so, brother-in-law. Yeah. So we were talking about it, and I think both had a pretty good – Second half, both equally as good because we both came out with a win, you know? <laughs> so you you end up, let's see, he marries your sister, yeah. right? Okay, so he's a starting safety, you're on the basketball team. When did when did he marry her? Was this pre-you getting to BYU? Uh, yeah, they started dating uh, bef- when I was at Salt Lake Community College uh, a couple summers ago. So did Daniel go and talk to Dave and say, hey, I know a guy? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. He might have, <laughs> but he hasn't told me. <laughs> Skylar Halford, uh, junior guard in BYU basketball, joining us with junior college transfer. You've had a number of quote-unquote resume-building games on the schedule this year for the NCAA tournament. Uh, you have wins against Stanford, Texas, now Utah State. Tough losses to Wichita State and Iowa State. What have you learned through eight games about BYU basketball and, and where this program wants to go? Uh our schedule, I think, says it all. We have a lot of tough games. Every single game is an important game for us, and so we t- we're taking it one game at a time. And unfortunately, you know, against Iowa State and Wichita State, we came up short. But I think there were a lot of things that we learned through those two losses and that are going to help us in the future. I've called Utah State the best win of the year so far. I think that Utah State's really good. And in that environment, uh, how fun was it to play in that game where it is technically a home game for BYU, but it's a neutral site and uh, their crowd is always raucous. You know you went to Utah State. I did. I mean, that was an amazing game, an amazing atmosphere, like you said. Uh, The Utah State fans, they always get riled up and (laughs) they have a good time and it just makes me smile, you know, because that's what every player dreams of is an atmosphere like that where you can play and you can, you know... Just feel that energy and playing the game you love. So it was it was fun. I know you're zoned into the game, but did anything that the Utah State fans said or did stand out to you? Did you remember anything from uh, from their crowd specifically? Um, man, there were so many things. Like to me specifically, that I mean, during warmups, you know, they have their little <laughs> chants, and and I know some of the people that were on the front row, some of my friends from when I was there before, and it was funny because I wasn't really looking at any of them, you know, staying focused. And as we were going back in the locker room, my buddy's like, "Just say hi to me," and I turned around, and just kind of gave him a wave. It was funny, so they though. may have gone; those guys may have gone a little bit easier on you because you have a relationship. I thought with they'd them. go harder on you because you were an Aggie. Okay, <laughs> they were. They there was, I think, a little bit of both. It was just fun, though. I had an awesome time just kind of listening to them. They're having a good time, and so were we. It was fun. Great crowd atmosphere, man. 
Winning team, losing team. That's all I have to say. Uh, eight points off the bench, uh, four of seven. What went right for you in the game? Uh, I think just trying to stick to our game plan was just attack, 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 get into the hole, and just tried to be aggressive. And uh, things worked out for for our whole team. You know, as we all tried to just continue to go to the the hole, and Frank kept going to the hole, and he was doing so well. And we had a number of guys that just were executing that game plan. I think that helped me is just getting to the hole, getting some easy baskets. The thing that stood out for me as I watched the game, and then I watched the second half again because I was so impressed with with how well BYU played in the second half, but was the aggression off the bench of Frank Bartley the fourth, and of yourself. When did you develop that score as a mentality where you're like, I'm getting the ball and I'm going to score and you can't stop me? When did that come into place for Skylar Halford? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's just every player's mentality is you got to just, as a, as a basketball player in general, you have to have that mentality that I'm going to go in there and I'm going to score. I'm going to be effective. You got to be confident in yourself and your teammates. And I think our team as a whole, we were confident in each other and we were confident in our game plan and we just executed it pretty well, I thought. At halftime, it's a five-point game as Skyler Halford joins BYU Sports Nation in studio. Utah State at that point shooting 59%. You know they're going to cool off at some point. It's not going to be the same. But what was that halftime conversation like, and uh, what adjustments do you, did you make in the second half? Yeah, Utah State, they run great sets. They always want to run their stuff. and when the, I mean, they're effective, and they shoot high percentages usually. And one thing Coach said in the locker room is, if they shoot 60% again, we are not going to win this game. And I mean, that's... You know that's true. You gotta. We had to change something. We had to. We had to create some resistance against against them and make it so make it a little bit tougher and make those shots that they were getting a little bit tougher. And I think we did that in the second half and it helped us out. Yeah, you outscored them by sixteen in the second half, and there are a bunch of free throws there at the end. But the game was won with several minutes to go. Skyler Halford joining BYU Sports Nation. Skyler, you have North Texas tomorrow at home. The Mean Green coming into the Marriott Center, and then you have UMass on Saturday. Another ranked, very talented opponent. How hard is it to go through the grind of this non-conference schedule knowing that there are so many ranked teams? Uh, I think it's a great opportunity. I would rather have it this way. You know, I would not want to... I wouldn't want it any other way. We have, like I said, every game's important. We need to take it just one game at a time. And when these ranked opponents come in, it's just it's a great opportunity, and we just need to be excited about it. And it helps us during practice to to work harder and to know that you know we have that talent and ability with this team to to be that kind of team, to be a ranked team, and to move forward in that direction. So you don't want to play six teams like Evergreen State. Or Savannah State, or uh, even Ball State, for example. <laughs> I don't know where I think half of those schools are, but <laughs> I, at least I've never heard. I've never heard of Evergreen. That's all I've heard of the other. Two. I don't know either. The Great Northwest, Washington. I don't know. Yeah, we we, we love to hammer uh, some teams on this show. Um, I I want to talk about something that stuck out to me uh, quite a bit against Utah State. It was the ability to go small but still be able to rebound against Utah State. And that was something against Texas that was tougher because of their length. Frank Bartley helped do that. Kyle Collinsworth had 13 rebounds. What role will that play going forward against teams that have length where you go small, but you can still board and defend? Yeah, it's a, it's a key point. Every game, I think we talk about rebounding being you know one of the top things in our game plan we need to execute. And when we go small, you have to, I think, you know create an extra effort there, whether it's going and just knocking a guy finding somebody and just hitting them smacking them on their butt or whatever it is I mean you just gotta you just gotta rebound and all of us gotta do it together we need coach always talks about having five guys to the glass and we always need to do that and when we're we make that a conscious effort I think we can make up for the lack of size or length that we might have when we go small and then it's an advantage on offense by the way how was it your back that you yeah. landed on, how are you doing? I, I'm doing good. A little sore today still, but I'm doing better. So uh, day by day, I think it'll just keep getting better. It's just a little bit of That a, looked brutal. <laughs> I mean, that, that was hard for me to watch on the replay as you came down and just smacked the floor. Did you get the wind knocked out of you, or what happened? Uh, I just kind of got caught up in the air with, I think it was Kyle Davis, and my legs just went straight out from under me and landed right on my, my tailbone, kind of my lower Ooh. back, and got a little whiplash in my neck. And I just remember kind of a white flash and, you know, hitting my head on the floor, but... I just like was laying there not feeling too good. Try to get up. Anyways, I'm doing good now, though. Everything's good. That was in front of the herd, and so your friends would have been nearby, right? Yeah. The, Did they say the anything that while I you were on the ground? To. I, I don't even remember if anybody said anything. I don't think I was completely coherent at the time, but I'm sure they were saying a few things. 
Yeah, <laughs> you can guarantee that. <laughs> Absolutely. Skyla Halford joining BYU Sports Nation. Uh, had eight points against Utah State in that victory on Saturday night at Energy Solutions Arena. Okay, we've, we've mentioned your family, a lot of great athletes. Your sister Whitney is on the folk dance team. She would argue that she's the best athlete. <laughs> uh, you play basketball, and then uh, your brother-in-law Danny is the football player. Who's the best athlete uh, of those three? Oh, wow. Like you said, Whitney will fight to the death telling you that she <laughs> is the best, and she is. She's a great athlete. She's been clogging, dancing her whole life, and give her full credit for that. Um, man, that's tough to say, just one of us. But, you know, I will be nice big brother, and I'll give it to Whitney. Wow! <laughs> that's I know, good. I know what you really think, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so you were you were prominently featured in uh, the first marketing video with Tyler Hawes and Chicago and that, you and Luke Worthington. What kind of reaction have you had after that? Um, a lot of people, I mean, just being like, wow, did you guys really do that? Is that really all <laughs> over YouTube? And it's like, yeah, we. I had fun. I liked it. It was awesome. I mean, we've had a lot of people just, you know, get teasing us or whatnot, but it's just all fun and games. And that was shot a while ago. So what can we expect uh, moving forward this season? Can you can you tease us a little bit of what we're going to see? Oh, man. Are you some, featured in one? There are. I was, yeah, in a couple more videos, and we'll see when they come out, but there's some pretty good ones to come, I think. What genre of music is yours? Oh, man. Let's see if I can remember. There were some, like, hip-hop, R&B. Um, there was another one we did. I think they were both R&B or, or hip-hop. You can't go wrong right. there. Yeah, and that was it was money. They were pretty good. I'm, I'm excited about them. Jaron, what what song would you lip sync? That's what I want to know. Dude, right Montel now. Jordan, this is how we do That's it. Right. You know I would. <laughs> that is right. Every Friday we queue up our boy Montel We'd Jordan. We'd have to cut it off at like 25 seconds in, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, it gets a little PG-13 at that point, oh, doesn't man. it? <laughs> Skylar Alford of BYU Basketball joining BYU Sports Nation. And, and Skylar, we've talked about the difficulty of the schedule this year. You have Oregon as well before you get into conference play. How do you stay focused uh, and, and do what coaches want you to do, one game at a time? Because it's it's hard for fans to not look forward at those big games and say, man, that, that's a huge opportunity. And how do you keep yourself grounded as a player? What do you do to tell yourself mentally that, I, okay, just focus on the game? Yeah, it's just uh, knowing, knowing that those games will come eventually, uh, but also knowing that each game uh, makes up your season. You know, it's not... It's not like just this UMass game that's coming up, but North Texas is going to be a season-changing game as well, and as well as every other game that we're going to be playing because we're going to learn new things. We're going to come closer as a team. We're going to come better, and you know whatever happens, we just we've got to focus each game. And and it, personally, like you said, for fans, it could be difficult to look for, but for me as a player, I feel like you know. It, you just focus, patience, one game at a time. It's like a game. You know, throughout the game, you're going to have ups and downs, but you just got to focus each minute of the game. I mean, it kind of reminds me last game, Coach, he put up something saying, you know, 2,400, and we're like, what's that? And it's each, it's how many seconds there are in a game. And each second counts, you know, you just got to focus on each possession and each game one at a time. So, Tell us about Eric Mika's goggles. <clears throat> Where did he get these? Were, were, was there another pair is Luke Worthington ever going to wear them? <laughs> What's the story there? How did you figure out, find out about Matt that? Matt Carlino said it. He said, Luke, wear these. And he said, no. Something, something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, clear, yeah. The, clear this up. Oh, well, I know he's had two pair now. I think the first ones may have broken. I'm not sure exactly. but Did he buy them in Kansas City? I have no here? idea where he got them, to be honest with you. Kyle I'm not Children, sure. where, do you, where do you get them? Here in, I think Dick's in Provo. Dick's okay. Sporting Goods in Provo. Okay. 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 Or Sports Authority. One of those two. Yeah, Great, then, we have a sponsor battle. <laughs> and then uh, there was a discussion, I think it was in, our Kansas, in Kansas City in that tournament where Matt was like, well, Luke, if you're a true friend, you're going to wear <laughs> you're gonna wear some goggles with Eric since you guys are roommates and all. And like, it was just this joke going on throughout the tournament, and we've just been teasing him about it. But yeah, I... His goggles, I'm not sure where they came from, but you know, Kyle cleared it up for us. How long is he going to wear the goggles? Yeah, does That's... he embrace it like Richard Hamilton and just like it just becomes oh. part of his, his, his game, his, his scenario? His... It's his deal. Yeah. I know, what, right? I don't know. 
exactly. What do you guys think of the goggles? I like them. I think they're a good fit for them. You know, I I think they. It was funny last game. There was a little um, scuffle, and he almost lost them. I don't know if any of you saw it, but I was sitting on the bench, and they just like came clear down here, and he was like (laughs) had the ball, like pass it out, fix them. But they look good on him. Who knows how long he'll keep them for? Skylar Halford of BYU Basketball on BYU Sports Nation. Skylar, better feeling having a pretty girl congratulate you after a basketball game, or knocking down a three pointer and having the crowd go nuts? Oh man. Three-pointer, I'm sorry, but yeah, three-pointer <laughs> and having the crowd go nuts is way better. Okay, very good. So a game with North Texas tomorrow. Uh, do you go double digits in points tomorrow? Uh, we will see. I surely hope so, but, you know, I I'm hope we it. all go double digits, top to bottom, and then we just break a new score. BYU scores 140, 150. 90-plus <laughs> uh, will be tremendous. <laughs> just keep that going. It's been a lot of fun to watch. You can get a good look at Skylar Halford and the BYU basketball team against North Texas tomorrow live on BYU TV, 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern, again on BYU TV. Skylar, great to have you. Thanks for the time, man. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Appreciate Skylar. it. Which team had a better second half on Saturday, BYU basketball or BYU football? We'll get some of those tweets. Plus, ESPN college football analyst Trevor Maddich breaking down the final play of that crazy Iron Bowl between Auburn and Alabama. And he tells us who he thinks BYU will face in the Fight Hunger Bowl. You're listening to BYU Sports Nation. We'll be back with more BYU Sports Nation right after this. This is Nate Austin, and you are tuned in to BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on B to the Y to the U Radio. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here. Hey, programming note, tomorrow night, watch the men's basketball team host North Texas, the Mean Green, visiting the Marriott Center. Look out. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Tip on BYU TV, and you can listen as well on BYU Radio. Which BYU team had a better second half on Saturday? We go to Twitter and at JSJ35. Basketball, because they were down at half, remembered Iona and achieved victory over Iowa State, rather, and achieved victory over USU. At Lauren Frankham, she sidelined the game on BYU TV. She said, basketball, a better team effort against a better team in Utah State. Good point. A big comeback after a tough loss in Kansas City. She's biased because she likes she was there. That's why. No, really, she, she brings up a good point in that... Better uh, competition. Yeah, better level of competition. Cody Meredith from our Facebook page. In the individual stat column, I would say honors go to football. However, as far as which one had a greater impact, I would say basketball. Football game was basically... Well, I wouldn't say he says meaningless. I wouldn't say it's meaningless. Already going to a bowl game, winning record. But the basketball team just came off a couple of hard losses to good teams. Beating Utah State is a huge boost as we look forward to the rest of the season. He brings up an interesting point. What did that Nevada game mean for BYU football moving forward? I think it was crucial for them to have a good second half and get a win. Because can you imagine the opposite? They lose to Nevada and then go to the fight hunger bowl at 7-5? and five? Yeah, it is weird that BYU only beat a a team with four wins by five points. It's not like it was Houston where you you said, well, it's on the, it's a neutral side, but it's kind of on the road, and that's a tougher game, and Houston ends up being kind of a, a decent team this year and whatnot. So that was sort of surprising that way. I'm going to give BYU more credit for beating Nevada, even though Nevada has some clear weaknesses. Look, the Wolfpack, have you seen their schedule? Have you seen their road schedule at UCLA? At I've Florida, seen their overall schedule, and Florida it was four State. and seven. At UCLA, at Florida State, at Boise State, at Fresno State, they played a Fres- really yes. they played a really difficult road schedule. They were four and one at home before the loss to BYU. So I don't think they're as bad a team as we thought they were. And clearly, they played with some emotion. They played hard in the first half, and you know it was less about Nevada and more about BYU to me. It always is, isn't it? It always is. We welcome in uh, for another Maddich Monday, Trevor Maddich, college football expert of ESPN. Trevor, BYU finishes the regular season 8-4 and four with a hard-fought win over Nevada. They used a second-half uh, run to, to get that victory, and now they face a good Pac-12 team in a bowl game. Who do you uh, project for that bowl game uh, in San Francisco? Well, they're talking now it might be Washington, but it still could be Washington State, Oregon State. It'll be a team with a similar record as BYU, and it will be a tough team. The thing about the Pac-12 is this year it's, it's widely considered, and I believe this to be true, to be the second-best conference in the country to the SEC. And it's not just because of Stanford and Oregon at the top. It's because the middle of that conference has come up and become really solid. 
And so if BYU was able to pull off a win in the bowl game, whichever Pac-12 team it'll be, you add that to wins against Texas, Georgia Tech, Boise State, Houston, uh, to be a, just a, a terrific season from a standpoint of teams that they've knocked off. So there's a real opportunity to put a terrific bow on this season for the Cougars. Regular season over, 8-4 and four record for BYU. How would you gauge the, uh, the season, the regular season for the Cougars? You know, it's not what it could have been. And I think the players would be a bit disappointed uh, because you look at that Virginia loss, they, they could have and should have won that game. They lost Utah by seven points in a game where they dropped a bunch of passes that really cost them that game. The uh, Wisconsin game was, was closer than the score indicates. The Notre Dame game was closer than the score indicates. So they had chances to pull out uh, those wins, certainly at least two of those four, realistically. But at the same time, as a fan of BYU, I love the way they played. I love the progress they made on offense. I love how the defense was one of the saltiest in the country yet again. And I love the list of teams that BYU has beaten. Now that's why this bowl game will really put the, the final flavor on this season. If they're able to, to win that game against a solid Pac-12 school, then you, know, you can look at this season and say it wasn't what they hoped, but it still was a very successful season that is a good stepping stone to next year. Trevor Maddich of ESPN joining BYU Sports Nation for another Maddich Monday. And you're right about the players. We just talked to Mike Haig, senior defensive back, uh, about 10 minutes ago. And he said that uh, exactly what you said, that while it was a good season, it's not a great season because of those losses to Virginia and Utah. So you're right on the bat there. Now I'm going to take you national scope here, Trevor. Sadly, no BYU-Utah involved, but was last weekend maybe the greatest rivalry weekend in college football ever? You know, I, I, it has to be. I mean, just the way the Michigan-Ohio State came, uh, game was a shootout, a desperate, wild shootout that came down to a two-point conversion at the end that had national championship implications on that one play. And then you had the Iron Bowl with Auburn and Alabama. I mean, for a college football fan, I can't think of a, of a better feast in one day because of the ramifications, because of the passion of the rivalry, and the sheer fun of it. 33 minutes ago... Chris Davis, the guy who returns the kick, uh, the missed field goal for Auburn, he said, he tweeted this, Trevor, just got a standing ovation from my geology class. Wow. Hashtag War Eagle. Nice. Is that that one of the, I mean, I was trying to think where that fits in terms of college football history, in terms of memorable plays. You're thinking Flutie's Hail Mary, McMahon's Hail Mary, Cal Stanford, the, the, the hook and ladder and the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, and the Fiesta Bowl and the... Where does that fit in in college football history? Top ten, top five? You know, I think I think uh, one. One wow. right now. I'm trying to think of one that's better. You look at the hook wow. and lateral, right? That was the hook and ladder. Uh, the Statue Boise of Liberty State beating yeah. Oklahoma. That was fantastic, and it was it was incredibly entertaining, and it was a seminal moment in college football because the mid-major BCS buster knocked off the big bully on the block with that play, and so that that was important. But ultimately, when you look at this game, there were national championship implications because Alabama was seeking history. They had won the last two consecutive BCS national championships, looking to go for a third, which has never been done in the poll era the, the way they would have done it. And so that was huge for them. SEC championship implications. The Iron Bowl here for the first time uh, in, in decades, uh, if not ever, had the winner of that game would go to the SEC championship. And so, and really, so since they've had an SEC championship game, the winner of that game has never gone to the SEC championship game where the loser would have gone if they would have won. And so there was, there was that implication. You look at the rivalry and the heatedness of BYU against Utah, and it's that way out there, Alabama-Auburn, they would tell you times 10 over any other rivalry in the country. I disagree because I played in the BYU-Utah rivalry. But it's a generational I don't want to say the word hatred because it's not the right word, but think of a word that's like that except not quite as life-crushing. Maybe hatred between those two programs. And this play not only knocked Alabama away from their dream, not only sent Auburn into Alabama's spot in the SEC championship game and maybe the national championship game, it will be a play that Auburn fans will use to bludgeon Alabama fans for generations. (laughs) They will give it a name. And every time, 10 years from now, Auburn could not win another football game for 10 years. And they'll see their Alabama fan rival buddy in the grocery store, and they'll pull out the name of this play and whack him over the head with it.
That's our Beck to Harleen. And, and Beck to Harleen really doesn't touch that play, but, uh, but certainly BYU fans can understand what's that, what that's like to hold over uh, a heated rival's head. Now, only fitting the BCS is going out with a bang of controversy and drama. Ton to be determined on Saturday. Will the SEC champ leapfrog an undefeated Ohio State team if it comes to that, Trevor? You know what? They could. And that will cause much wailing and gnashing of teeth in the Big Ten. And the, the thing is, people say that, you know, if Auburn or Missouri wins that SEC championship game, even with one loss, they should be ahead of, of Ohio State because of the strength of schedule that they've played, because the SEC is a tougher regular season schedule. And when you look at it, right now the only team that Ohio State has beaten that's currently ranked in the top 25 is Wisconsin at 21. Now Michigan State's at number 10. They have them next week in the, in the Big Ten championship game, but that, that's it. Those two teams that are currently ranked, and, and that's it. When you look at Auburn and Missouri, they've played several teams in the top ten, uh, and especially Auburn. Or not top ten, but top, well, actually, yeah, top ten. Auburn just beat number one, and Ohio State doesn't have a victory like that. If Missouri wins the SEC championship game, they will have beaten the team currently ranked number three in the nation, Auburn. And Ohio State doesn't have a victory like that. And so I think people will look at the quality of wins and not just the single loss and say, look, they had a tougher road to get to one loss than Ohio State did to get to undefeated. Now, whether or not that's fair, uh, I think it is a little bit fair. And really it comes down to me to what happens in this final week. Who wins the SEC championship game and how? And then whether or not Ohio State is able to beat uh, Michigan State, and that will be a tough out for the Buckeyes, and how they look doing it. Because if Ohio State has another clunker like they had against Michigan, gave up over 600 yards and 41 points to a really you know, poor Michigan team by Michigan standards, it, they shouldn't have, it shouldn't have been that close. Does Auburn's – oh, sorry, go ahead. You no, know, if that happens again with a Michigan State uh, game, and then if whoever wins the SEC championship game comes out and looks really dominating – then that will give voters the excuse they need to vote the SEC team in. Also, do remember this, and this is important. The SEC, I think, needs to have a representative, if at all possible, if it's fair, in this last BCS National Championship game, because they've won the last seven in a row. And four different SEC teams have done it. And if you get one of these two teams in, you know, it's possible if Missouri's there, it'll be a fifth team. And I think that in the last game, championship game of the BCS era, a team from outside the SEC should be the one to knock the SEC off the throne, not the SEC cannibalizing itself and, having, and being able to say that, hey, we beat ourselves, you couldn't beat us. So I'd like to see an SEC team in there if it's fair. This would have been perfect for next year. ESPN's Trevor Mattis joins BYU Sports Nation. Trevor, does Auburn's emergence late in the season remind you of the team you played on in 1984 with BYU? You know, in a lot of ways, it does. And part of the reason is that no one expected them to do this. Uh, you know, BYU wasn't expected to be a national championship contender, nor was Auburn because of their miserable season last year. Uh, another thing, though, is that any national champion is going to have to have some balls bounce their way. And when you look at Auburn, they had that play that we just saw with against Alabama, the, the field goal return, 109 yards for the game-winning touchdown. But that wasn't really a miracle. That was actually a well-executed special teams play. But they had a miracle against Georgia, where they should have lost that game, and their Hail Mary at the end was actually a poor decision by the quarterback. It was a poor throw by the quarterback. It should have been batted down or intercepted, but the defense completely gacked, and the ball got bounced up in the air to the Auburn receiver. That was not just a good play by Auburn. It was not a good play by Auburn. It was a bad play. It was a flat-out miracle for Auburn's favor. Well, we had a couple of bounces like that for us. When we went out and played Hawaii, they had the ball in the red zone. And their quarterback, I think it was Rafael Cherry, who went on to play in the NFL, had a receiver come open in the end zone, and he hit him in the hands, and that receiver dropped the ball. Dropped the ball. And that was a close game. And so we had a few, a few balls bounce our direction as well. And any national champion can point to a play or two here and there over the course of their run that really – they didn't have a whole lot to do with. It just happened to be everything went in their favor at that time, and I think that's a, a similarity between what, what we went through in 84 to what Auburn has gone through to this point of this season. Trevor Maddich of ESPN joining BYU Sports Nation. And Trevor, lastly, which two teams play for the national title in January? Well, Florida State. And uh, Florida State is awesome, just 
flat awesome. And if I had to, if I had to guess right now, I would guess that Ohio State would be the team to face them. Ohio State has won 24 consecutive games. They are undefeated going back to the beginning of last year. It's not supposed to be about last year, but last year they were ineligible because of NCAA sanction. And, and coaches and people in the human polls realized that this was an Ohio State team, you know, that if they beat Michigan State will have gone 25-0. and 0. What else do you need to do to deserve to go? That plus the fact that Ohio State and Florida State are the only two undefeated teams in position to do this, I think those will be the teams that will be in it. Now, that being the case, for Ohio State fans, that might be a lot of fun until kickoff because their weakness is their secondary and pass defense, and Florida State has an NFL quarterback in Jameis Winston throwing to three NFL receivers and an NFL tight end. So for Ohio State, the fun might end when those guys start throwing the ball around. Great national perspective and BYU perspective from Trevor Maddich of ESPN. Great Maddich Monday. We appreciate the time, Trevor. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Trevor. All right. Now it's time to whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Women's volleyball. BYU received an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament last night. BYU will play Arizona State Friday in Hawaii. Uh, key being in Hawaii. Nice. The match will be streamed on NCAA.com. Head coach Sean Olmstead, what do you think of that? I was excited. I'm sure the girls, I think their, their excitement was partly because we get to travel to Hawaii. Uh, I can say as a coach, that never crossed my mind, to be honest. But uh, I, I like, I think it's a good group out there, so it should be some really good volleyball. The winner plays the winner of 11th ranked Hawaii and Idaho State on Saturday. Women's basketball. BYU remains undefeated, 6-0 after an eight-point win against Arizona Saturday. They're 6-0 for the first time since 2005. The Cougars travel to Reno, just like football did Saturday, to play Nevada. Just like football. Tomorrow at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. Who gets our rise and shout today? Jamal? Jamal. Has to. His mother, at UCLA Grad 90, said on Twitter, So proud of my son. Triple exclamation points. Continues to mature on and off the field. Can't wait for the bowl game. We can't either. The guy's up to 1,200 yards already. There's no question who had the most impressive individual performance in the second half on Saturday. That would be Jamal Williams, BYU football. But which team overall, BYU basketball or BYU football, had the better second half performance? We go to more from Twitter, at Lasersheep sounding out. Football, because they would have been hurt more by a loss to Nevada Reno than a basketball loss to Utah State. Jamal and Frank, however, are both sick. Do you know where Jamal's season rushing yards are in BYU history right now? Ooh. So he has twelve. He has twelve oh two. Do you know who has nine yards more? Taysom. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that's, that's what's Jamal crazy. missed a game and a half though. Uh, essentially, with the Utah concussion in Middle Tennessee, missed. Okay, number one all time, the best rushing season ever. Luke Staley, two thousand one, right? Eighteen hundred yards. Pete Van Valkenburg, thirteen eighty six. Ronnie Jenkins, thirteen oh seven. Harvey Unga fourth, and then Taysom Hill fifth, and Jamal sixth in BYU history. And it's the same season. That's amazing. So Jamal Jamal's and Taysom, they'll pass Harvey. They can maybe pass Ronnie Jenkins. If Jamal has another 200, it's the second best ever season by a BYU rusher. Or Taysom. Or both. Man, that was fun. To, it's been fun to watch those two go crazy this year. Uh, one more from Twitter, at FLG underscore T. Sixes. Both opponents brought their best, and despite both Coug teams not playing their A game, still found a way to get the W, and that's what it's all about. Getting those wins. Sixes. Hey, answer the question. Come on. <laughs> we, we realized they were both good. Just which one was better? Make a choice. Calling them out. <laughs> Here's the uh, final. Thanks for winging. Who's the final, uh, who, who wins the poll question? Who had the better second half on Saturday? Who do you think won? I'm going to say basketball. Basketball, 69%. Going away. Later on this week, we'll discuss BYU football's bowl game scenario. I, I mentioned earlier on Twitter that everyone is kind of inked in Washington. We'll get into why I think BYU-USC is still a possibility. I know people are like, no, no way. There is a possibility. No way, man. And it depends on what happens in the Mountain West Conference Championship game. More on that later on the week in BYU Sports. This Saturday is juicy. You you thought last Saturday it was over? No, no, no. There are some great games this week. Can't wait for it. Big thanks to our guests on the show today, Skylar Halford 
Trevor Maddich and Mike Haig and everyone on our crew, producer Ben Bagley, senior coordinating producer Michael Miner, station manager Don Chaline, production assistants Alan Miller, Spencer King, and Sam Hancock, and of course our engineer Aaron Evans. Takes a village. Check out our new BYU Sports Nation Facebook page. Like and comment as much as you like. You can also listen to episodes of the show on demand at the newly launched BYURadio.org. For Jerem, I'm Spencer, and you have just listened to BYU Sports Nation. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.